Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining myself and Kirsty on this episode of The Working Therapist. Kirsty, I'm super excited because we are talking about motor speech stuff today. Well, actually, motor planning. I forget your PT, right? But I get super excited about, <laughs> and I don't really forget your PT, but I get super excited about, in a nerdy speech therapist kind of way, about motor speech stuff. And, you know, the example that I always give, and I'm sure you've got a bunch too, but I always give for different parents is when we talk about motor speech or, again, we're talking about motor planning, but I'm just talking from a speech therapist perspective is I'm having to retrain the brain. And that's really what we're talking about today. Therapies, when you're trying to retrain the brain or retrain the body to get them to do something different than they were before. So for example, I say to parents all the time, hey, so if, if you're right-handed and I say, okay, from here forward, you can only brush your teeth with your left hand, you know, then you'd have to really sit there and think about like brushing each single solitary tooth. You know, I go to brush my teeth. It's just automatic pilot. I don't think about brushing my teeth. You well, know? I'm getting cavities. Yeah. <laughs> but, what, with the left hand? So if I said, okay, no more. You can never brush your teeth again with the right hand. You just have to do it with your left hand or vice versa if you're opposite-handed. Anyway, and then you'd have to think about brushing each individual tooth, right? You know? Yep. Same thing for like my boys when they were younger. And I think maybe I've even used this example on the podcast before. When they were learning how to shoot a basketball, you know, that they would always get that chicken arm thing because their elbow would stick out. That's what the coach would call it, chicken arm. So they have to learn how to shoot a basketball and keep their elbow tucked in and then flick the wrist and then also hold your form. And there's motor plans, so they have to retrain. They both of them stuck their elbow out like a chicken wing, and so they'd have to bring the elbow in. Think about shooting a basketball. And so they had to basically retrain the brain. They had to break a habit that was already there and retrain the body. And to do that, they first had to know what form to use, what their body needed to do, right? And then they had to practice it over. Over and over and over and over and over again every single day, a hundred shots in the driveway every single day to get it right. So that was a new motor plan for their body to shoot a free throw. Anyhow, so it's the same thing, you know, brushing your teeth. You have to retrain the brain so that your left hand all of a sudden will you be automatic pilot like your right hand. I personally don't know if I could ever really get there, but whatever. Anyhow, so when we're dealing with kids where we're trying to change the way their body works in one way to the way their body works a new way. It's really the same thing, right? Well, you got to think, like in the example you gave about the basketball, when a child learns to maybe on their own without guidance, without intervention, without knowing the proper technique, my goal is to get the ball from me to that basket. And over and over again, they got that ball from me to that basket by throwing it however they develop. And doing that over and over again without intervention, they've developed that motor plan. So now you have to go in, like you said, they need coaching, they need to break that pattern and then relay the wiring for how it's supposed to be done. And so this is what we do all day long every day is we come in to children that have maybe figured out a different way to do things because kids are smart. They develop all types of compensations, compensatory strategies for, okay, I need to get from point A to point B, talking about motor, so I'm going to crawl with this hitched leg up and or I'm going to scoot on my bottom because I don't want to go on my hands and knees or I can't figure out how to get to hands and knees, but I figured out how to scoot really fast across on my bottom. Mm-hmm. So I developed a compensatory strategy to get there, but now I have to come in and relay wiring and it's going to take 
cueing and time and practice and repetition to be able to get to transfer to that creeping crawling position because they're used to scooting on their bottom and they're a lot faster scooting on their bottom. So why would they do it my way? Right. Because that pattern's not there. Doesn't sound like a good idea. No. Mm -mm. But it's the same thing for like kids with speech and articulation therapy. And um, usually speech therapists don't think this way for articulation or they might think this way for apraxia, but really for motor speech training and articulation or for children who may have apraxia, either way, you've got to retrain the brain. So for example, say a child had ear infections. They had a series of ear infections starting at 12 months all the way up until two years. So from one year old to two year old, they had a whole series of ear infections, you know, repetitive. So even when you have the ear infections, you have the infection of the fluid in the middle ear, but even though they clear up the infection with antibiotics, the fluid doesn't go away for a couple of weeks. Well, then if you just get another ear infection on top of that, the fluid never goes. So for maybe the good part of an entire year, in this particular example, 12 months to two years, when you're getting all of that input of sounds and this huge input, input, input stage of life, and the children start to practice the different sounds and think about a 12-month-old baby to a two-year-old kid, that's a big old difference in communication. You know, you go from like single words, maybe using a single word, to combining two words together. That's all that happens. Well, if you couldn't hear mostly clearly for the whole first year, or you hear like your, here's what I do. I cover up my mouth, and this is what I tell parents and the thing. If you hear like this. You know, if you hear mumbled, doesn't that sound great on a podcast? But basically, if you hear mumbled for most of a year, then you start, your auditory input has been incorrect, so you start to produce the sounds incorrectly. Well, that's the pattern in the brain now that's established. So when you produce the K and G, K and G sound, it comes out like a T and D sound. Boom, the motor pattern is established. They've been practicing it for a whole year. And then they're like two and a half and they can't, they're saying tutti for cookie. Then you're like, ooh, snap. And now they come to speech because you have to rewire that motor pattern. Yeah, they got tubes. And so now they can hear clearly at age two. Well, super de duper. They took those adenoids out and they put tubes in. And great, now they can hear and they're not getting the recurrent ear infections. But the motor pattern's already established. So you have to, as a speech therapist with Arctic therapy, it's the same thing. You got to fix it. Well, and Retrain because the brain. you don't have just one muscle in your mouth that makes you talk. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So it's not like I just have to coordinate mm-hmm. one muscle. No. So funny story for all people listening. Hayden and I, a couple of years ago, we looked up codes because mm-hmm. we have a whole series on coding as well. So but really, Kirsten, you should just tell people the truth. We just really, that's just fun for us. We just love to look at codes. That's what we do on a Friday yeah, night. Yeah, we're so exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm just joking. I mean, let's <laughs> go ahead. Um, <laughs> but we did. We felt so strongly that a speech therapist does a 97112 neuromuscular rehab. Yeah. We're like, darn it, they should be able to code it. I, th- I think so. <laughs> and I still think we can make an argument for it because that's what this entire podcast is about. Um, you're retraining the muscles and you're retraining the brain to form in the proper pattern. Yeah. And if they could have gotten it, if the child, for example, for speech, I say this all the time, if they could get it just by hearing it correctly, they wouldn't become to speech therapy. No. So you can't just provide auditory input because that didn't work and it's not fixing the problem because after the child got tubes or the ear infections cleared up, now they can hear clearly, but they're still saying T and D for K and G. So you got to touch them. Got to do something else. Yeah, a new thing has to happen. And so the reason I thought as we were working on this podcast idea, Kirsten and I for today, is something that I talk frequently about. It's something you talk frequently about. But as a speech therapist, you don't really think this way too much. PTs and OTs, though, this is right in your wheelhouse. It's our normal. Yeah, this is what you're <laughs> normal. Yeah. But even for a child for writing, look at how adults write. My gosh, you can see where all kinds of people went wrong, right? Like holding <laughs> a pencil. But if you think like a little four or five-year-old boy, just take the boy thing, for example, 
you know, a lot of times boys are not that motivated to sit and color in something mm-hmm. or write anything. They'd much rather run and jump and crash into something, you know? And so if they know they got to get something done in school, they're just going to quick scribble down or whatever. They're not going to, you know, they're just getting it done. Not worried about how they hold the pencil. It's in their hand and the point is on the paper. And they did the thing so that they can get up and go play on the playground because the teacher said, if you don't finish that, you can't go play on the playground. (laughs) So they made it done, right? And so then they could establish all these bad habits. Well, then they get to second grade. That's already ingrained. Yes, done. So you got to retrain the brain. You got to fix what's wrong. And So you can't just say, Johnny, hold your pencil like this. Come on, now write for... 20 minutes. Doesn't work. You say right for 20 minutes. Well, they've never established the correct muscle pattern and muscle movement, so they get tired faster. They can't write as much as they should be writing at that point because they don't have the right muscle patterns to do it or motor patterns to do it. Anyway, what they're using is maybe overtaxing the body in a way so they can't do it all. And so then they're falling behind in school or they're not achieving what they could achieve you know, or they're told, oh, he, he just doesn't like to write. He's or messy. He, yeah, he's messy. He doesn't like to write or she doesn't like to write. And then if you hear that over and over, then you're like, oh, yeah, I don't really like to write. So then see how it establishes all this stuff. And maybe it could just be corrected by retraining the brain and the therapist saying, hey, we got to stop the old way and start the new way. And then they come to OT for the how. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm on board with that. So what we wanted to do was talk about some series of examples and things that we run into with this kind of situation all the time. So... You want to start? Yeah. Okay, you start. Um, So a really good motor example, we see a lot of children with hypotonia, low tone, and children with Down syndrome. They have low muscle tone. So one of the biggest compensations I see is once they learn to sit independently, they need to learn to move next. And the most common way for a child with low tone to get themselves from sitting down to the floor is moving that sagittal plane, just fold themselves in half, and then flip those legs around behind them. Honestly, most people can't do that because we're not that flexible, (laughs) Um, but there's a lack of trunk rotation. So a lot of things that pediatric therapists work on is trunk rotation, but the reason why is because we see so much movement in that sagittal plane, then we're not crossing midline. How does that carry over an OT later with fine motor tasks? Mm -hmm. So the PT comes in now to this pattern that's been ingrained from sitting to transfer to prone and has to retrain the entire nervous system and the brain to develop this new pattern of movement to rotate through the trunk and transfer over both legs instead of down through that sagittal plane through the middle. So that's our skill set. We're coming in to teach the body to do that. Well, you need that transverse movement. You need that trunk rotation because you don't walk like a stiff... You rotate through the trunk. Like a robot? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you see these kids that transition that way later when they go to run, walk. They don't have that nice arm swing trunk Mm -hmm. rotation movement. It's more like a (laughs) penguin walk. Yeah, and you see kids with Down syndrome where they're like, oh, well, they're prone to obesity. I don't know if I'm always well, buying that. because they can't move. No. Right, right, because it's harder for them to run, and if they don't have that transverse movement, yes. then running and skipping and jumping is significantly harder. Mm-hmm. And you really can see if you sit around and watch people walk. I do. I know, I know you it's do. It's like I know you do. I'll be driving down the road, and I'll see people walk. I'm like, oh, man, I bet they have a stroke. They need an AFO. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're a good time. <laughs> she is. So, so, right? far, so here's what we know of Kirsty. Number one, on Friday night, she sits around and look at codes. And as you're driving around the car with her, she's pointing out. Gate assessing. <laughs> she's gate assessing. That's just a good time to have all right there. <laughs> you're a cheap date. I can't help it. <laughs> no. You can't cut that PT brain off. No. But I think so, right? I mean, I think so automatically, oh, well, he or she is just prone to obesity. Well, maybe not. Or maybe, you know, that genetic condition is. But are there some things we could do early on to fix and retrain the brain and then that way to make movement easier yeah and sometimes if you tell i think to get buy-in with parents and stuff for me as a speech therapist i tell the parents hey look so we are going to retrain the brain so i think that helps get some buy-in and helps them understand oh that's what you're doing you're right yes repetition matters the home program matters Mm -hmm. so what you're doing in therapies as you're doing it you're telling the parent so we're retraining this pattern and this muscle movement we're retraining we're strengthening these muscles as we train the body to do this and so now i'm doing this in therapy so now here's what i want you to practice every day at the house and when you know what some of the common compensatory strategies are you can warn parents as soon as you see this do this so that they are looking for it because right. you already know it's going to happen because you know a child is going to take the easiest avenue to do something. Yep. So when you have seen a lot of children, you can warn of the potential compensatory strategy. You can head it off as soon as it starts so that the intervention time is a lot less shorter in that retraining. You know, and I think sometimes speech therapists talking about the retraining and talking about the home program part of that a little bit, speech therapists will say, oh, go well, here's your list of 10 S words or here's your list of R words or L words or whatever the heck it is. And so I just want you to sit down and do these words every day. Well, great for that 10, 15 minutes that you're having them practice that word list at home. You're practicing that training the brain, but then the rest of the day, they're still doing it wrong. So I think picking up on, if you're telling the parent, hey, we're retraining the brain, we're retraining the brain. So then you want to start retraining the brain like all day. You know, and I know the parent can't be right on the top of the child every single minute. Like you're talking about that transverse movement with the child with Down syndrome. But but I tie it to every diaper change because you know right. you're going to get that See? eight times throughout the day. It's just once, just once. You don't have to set aside 30 minutes, but you already got to change your diaper. Right, right. So, so put them in sitting and then work on it. Okay, you're done. Next. Exactly. Because otherwise you're just doing it for this one little window in time. But basically you're like, okay, so for this 10 minute period... Don't do it the old way, do it the new way. But the, basically the other, you know, 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day, it's okay to do it the old way. Well, how is it going to change? It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get carryover and the child's going to get frustrated. For example, in my head, when you're giving that example, I'm thinking, okay, this baby's somewhere between what, maybe six and 15 months-ish, you know, kind of thing. It's, you know, is who I've kind of got pictured in my head is doing this. Maybe six is a little bit young, but whatever. And they're still going to get frustrated and they're going to have a cow mm-hmm. about it. Because they're like, no, that's not how I do this. Because other than 11 hours and 45 minutes of the day, this is how I do it. Right. I mean, 23 hours and 45 minutes. And really, when you're talking about motor planning, we talk about repetitions and needing to do it over and over again. But it's about being the frequency and the consistency. It's not about, oh, I did their homework for 30 minutes today. Right. But I only did it once this week. It's I did it eight times every single day for a week. That's a huge difference. So the same thing with speech, like we talked about the carryover and doing it all day long. So again, a lot of times speech therapists give these lists, which, you know, you can work on one time of the day, but really, again, then the child's understanding the rest of the time of the day, I can say this R word, R this way, but for this 10 minutes, I have to just say it correctly. And that's really not going to help with retraining the brain and establishing that motor pattern and to carry over that sound into the rest of the world when they're talking and basically saying, yes, it's okay. You know? So I tell parents, Hey, every time you get in the car, 
say if I'm just working on the sound in isolation, because the first thing I think we have to do with artic therapy for therapists is you got to get your hands upon that kiddo. Just the auditory is not enough. So you've got to make sure they've established the right motor patterns. And so you've got to help the tongue and the lips and the face do what it's got to do, right? So you've got to get your hands on them to do that. And if you're working on, for example, the sound in isolation, then every time that child gets in the car, have them say that sound. Have the parent do it, and then the child has to say it five times, ten times. If you do it every time they get in the car, they probably were going to say it a hundred times before the end of the day. Or, you know, you want to have the parent work on it consistently, like in different types of context, but in their regular part of their day. Even if a small little one or two little times is a whole lot better than all day long than just one isolated time during the day work on these S words or these R words, you know, lateral lisp is a very established motor pattern that is really, really, really hard to break. And the only way you can really do it is help make sure the child understands this is what your tongue has to do. This is what your lips have to do. Make sure you really got that motor pattern and they are clear on that and then practice that. But practice that throughout the day, not just one little time period in the day. You know, and so I think for Arctic, we sometimes forget that. And also in the Arctic session, I mean, I always tell people a hundred times, you got to try to get that production in 100 times in a session because you got to make sure they've got the motor pattern. They know what to do that their lips and their tongue and their face and their jaw and then practice it over and over and over and over and over and over again. But first, I see a lot of times with Arctic therapy, people just giving audition cues and then going straight to single word level, like the R, but they won't ever establish the actual motor pattern. You know, I think for PTs and OTs, y'all are significantly better at making sure the body is in the right motor pattern and reteaching that motor pattern, which is again, the 97112, y'all are a lot better at that than speech therapists. If they could have gotten it just from hearing it, they wouldn't need you. So you got to establish the right motor pattern and you have to make the lips and the face of the tongue do it. So that means you've got to touch them. Got to. No other way around it, right? Hands on. Yeah. I mean, if they just were going to get it by looking at you and hearing you, they wouldn't be in speech therapy. They wouldn't need you. They wouldn't need a PT. They wouldn't need an OT because no. they would have been like, oh, look, I need to actually move my body in a transverse plane of movement. Oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> oh, somebody should have just told me. Duh. You know, <laughs> but they did do it. So that's really what it is. So this motor, you've got to establish the right motor plan and train the body to do it and then practice, 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 practice. Strengthen, practice, strengthen, practice. As we wrap up, I think it's so ingrained in what I do and what you do, I mean, not therapy related, but just learning related. Mm -hmm. We're doing spelling words in the car on the way to school. This morning, I was like, give me four biome facts (laughs) as I'm like looking over the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) But this is like our to and from school because it's all day long, right? Yeah. Just work it into the nooks and crannies. Well, mm-hmm. if you have any of those, we're fresh out sometimes. Well, the car is nooks and crannies because we go. can't go anywhere. No, it got, everybody's buckled in. They're <laughs> little, stuck. they're strapped in, <laughs> literal captive audience. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important for children with apraxia too. It's the same thing, motor planning, but you start with what they can do and you work a lot on the sounds they can do. What can they do? And then work on that and build, build, build that so they have some success. Don't just work on what they can't do. I mean, the kids with a praxis already know what they can't do. They're very smart. All of these kids are smart, but they already know what they can't do. And if they could have done it, they would be doing it. But they have a praxis, so they can't. So work on what they can do and do a lot of that all day long so they practice Frequency. and are successful what they can do. Yep, frequency and consistency. There you go. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. See, I really get into this. I love this topic. I really do. It's really a good time. You can see so much progress so fast. I love it. And that's the 
cool thing to see. But thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out other podcasts on the Working Therapist website, and there's a ton of them on there. We're also on Stitcher and Spotify and Google Play and Apple Podcast and all of the above situations. And you can also go to our website, pediatricdt.com, and you can hear it there too, along with a whole bunch of other podcasts. Bunch of, anyway. Check them out and other good stuff. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 